Magger Uncovered, and a very big welcome to you if you're just joining us. I'm Anthony Davis. That's Ron Filipkowski. Uh, Ron, I should just ask you, because as we know, the hurricane has been heading your way to towards Florida. Uh, I think uh, it made landfall this morning, wasn't it, as a Category 3 storm? Uh, are you safe? Do you have power? Uh, do you have snacks? I'm on the West Coast. I got out my Sharpie last night, and I drew it away from me, yep. just like Donald Trump did, yep. and redirected the hurricane to Cat Turd's house on yep. Twitter. That's great. And uh, it al- almost got a direct hit. I was just a little off. <laughs> it almost got Cat Turd, but it definitely went away from me. Right. Well, that's good. And And Joe Biden has literally just made a speech saying that this is clearly proof of climate change, not that it's going to make Ron DeSantis actually say the words climate change. I have noticed, though, that, you know, he has been having to do some kind of climate change um, infrastructure projects in Florida, but he doesn't call them climate change. You know, he refers to them as like erosion or just anything except climate change or climate crisis or climate anything. Yeah, a lot of stuff around the coast. Uh, And of course, a lot of that is federal money from the infrastructure bill. He never mentions that. Yeah. Never gives credit. Uh, No, he's always uh, claiming claiming credit himself. Yeah. Let's so we've got lots to talk about today. And I'm so thrilled for people to follow us live. We are completely live here. And don't forget to like and subscribe to the Midas Touch channel. And you can comment uh, as we go along. And you can also add comments down below. So all that stuff, you know all about that stuff, especially the Midas Mighty. Very thrilled that they're joining us as well. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Donald Trump and his height and his weight uh, and his girth. Uh, We've got Colton Moore. We've got Tucker Carlson. We've got Dinesh D'Souza. So much to talk about. But first... Let's get into this new trial date that has been announced by Tanya Chutkin. Uh, Trump's people asked for it to be pushed to 2025 or 2026. 2026, (laughs) that's right, if Trump will live that long. And uh, maybe that was their plan all along. You know, let's just push it past his funeral, they thought. Um, And she was having none of it, was she? Yeah, I was just talking to Glenn Kirshner uh, this morning, or about an hour ago, actually, about this. Um, This is really a case of Jack Smith being three steps ahead of the Trump legal team at every turn. I mean, that the the Smith team is so outclassing the Trump legal team. And one of the moves that he made here is this. This indictment mentioned six unindicted co-conspirators. In other words, saying that there are six more people involved in Donald Trump's J6 conspiracy. Clark, Eastman, um Sidney Powell, Rudy, a couple others. Uh, But he did not indict them. And the reason why he didn't indict them yet is exactly this, because that would have really hurt his argument to have a quick trial. If you'd added in all these other lawyers, all these other co-defendants, different defenses that each one may have privileges. So this, that those people are going to be indicted, but they're going to be indicted later soon. But they're not going to be part of Trump's trial because the idea is we're get we get Trump to trial quickly. And not only that, you know, he's going to be in criminal. He can't blow off this trial like he did the E. Jean Carroll criminal trials. You have to be there. So he's going to have to be in the courtroom. This trial is going to take probably three or four weeks. And it's during Super Tuesday. It's during some of the biggest primaries, which he's screaming about. So. Uh, and I doubt, seriously doubt she's going to move this trial. And he mentioned appealing it. You cannot appeal a judge's decision of when to set the trial. You could appeal after you're convicted and you're in prison, but you can't appeal now. <laughs> so. my, my favorite moment was Trump's other lawyer, Alina Haber, blowing this whole argument out of the water when she goes on a different TV channel and says he doesn't need time to prepare. He's, you know, he's the smartest guy in the world. You know, he knows everything. Why does he need time to prepare? How did how was it possible that she could basically blow up his other lawyer's argument for wanting to delay the trial, as in there was too much material to go through, we don't have the time? Is there no communication between the, these legal entities? When you choose your lawyers for reasons <laughs> other than their qualifications yeah. as a lawyer. I know where this is going. This is gonna this is what you what happens. Yeah. Uh he has lawyers who know what they're doing in criminal court, but they're not the ones on TV the most. So there's this disconnect between his TV lawyers like him, her, Christina, Bob, others, 
on there spouting this nonsense and his criminal lawyers who probably watched some of these clips and with a horror, you know, uh, because Alina Habat, so far as I know, has never handled a criminal case in her life. And yet she's on here pontificating every night uh, about all these uh, technical legal things that are actually quite complicated, even for criminal lawyers. Uh, you know, even we're bouncing stuff off each other like, am I sure I'm right about this? And yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's just idiotic, but it's the typical Trump. It's it's like January 6th all over again. It's like that was the most incompetent insurrection, you know, possible because he had all these idiots, you know, planning it. I still stand by my view, and I put this out at the beginning of this conversation because well, there's going to be lots of things that are going to crop up through through this conversation that will kind of put pain to this debate. But I still think that he has a very good chance of winning the election in 2024, right? Whether he's in prison or not, I still think that there is an increasing amount of support for him. Even though his MAGA support might be diminishing, I just think there are too many things involved Joe Biden and his age yep. and the uh, electoral college system and the fact that there are so many kind of Republican operatives who behind the scenes are doing so much, you know, dirty tricks to try and rig the election. In my view, the insurrection never ended. It, it is still going on. And there's been some very, really very kind of, we covered on five minute news today, like a story about how Trump's team are planning the to kind of strip the federal government in 2024 if they win and, and basically recreate the United States in Trump's image. And I just wish the media would talk about this more and talk about the rise of fascism and, and, and really explain what is really happening to America. Because, you yeah. know, with the GOP debate, they were just covering it like a normal kind of TV horse race. And they weren't talking about what's really happening, which is authoritarianism. Sure. And yeah, you make so a very frustrating to make me. a very good point. Yeah. Uh, I have these conversations every day with my friends and with people that are moderate Republicans and independents all the time. And and it's a very similar conversation that I hear from them a lot. If Trump was running against 1996 Bill Clinton or 2012 Barack Obama, these polls would not be close. You know, he would be it would be 60 40. He'd be getting smoked. Um, but Joe Biden is an issue. Um and we're setting aside Joe Biden, how he's done in office uh, and his policies and all of that versus here's the conversation that I have when I talk to most normal Republicans, educated people, doctors, lawyers, moderate Republicans, not MAGA. They all tell me, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, Ron. Donald Trump's crazy. We can't put him back in office, but Joe Biden's too old. Joe, he's going to be what, 86 is last year. I don't think he's up for it. Uh, I don't want Kamala Harris. And and I, I hear this every day from moderate after moderate after moderate. So this is a problem. It's an issue. I think um, if maybe Gavin Newsom or somebody else was running, you know, I think that the, the lead would be wider. But um, it's just if Joe Biden does, in fact, run and I'm not 100 percent sure that he's going to, um, then uh, it's it's going to be a battle. But again, it's like they leave everything so late. You know, it's, it's, I was thinking about Mitch McConnell, who had another uh, kind of medical moment earlier today, right, where he froze again in front of the cameras at a press conference. Was it today or was it yesterday? You never today. know. It was today, today, right? And no one seems to react the way I would react. Like the guy just glazes over yet again, and they, they just ask him the same question again. No one's like, call a medic. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, well, are you going to answer the question? And what? It's like the guy is like on death's door. And the fact that the Republicans want to keep him in office or he's refusing to go or something says more about power and money and this hunger for authoritarianism than it does about democracy and freedom and all the things that America is supposed to stand for. I think that. Um the Mitch Mc, um, let's take all politics and partisanship aside and let's just talk about age and health. I think that the, take the three cases of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Dianne Feinstein and Mitch McConnell. OK, I think that Mitch's situation is very similar to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and very different from Feinstein. I think my my suspicion is that the reason why Feinstein is finishing out her term or trying to finish out her term 
is because she she really they really don't want um, Gavin Newsom to to appoint someone. He, they don't want him to weigh in here right before the 2024 election for that seat. And they're kind of hoping to keep that seat filled until they have the primary. So I think that's what's going on there. I think she she probably would like to retire, but she's hanging on. I think the McConnell situation is very similar to Ruth Bader Ginsburg in that their job, this job, her job and his job, that's their life. Yeah. That's their whole life. It's they're, their they're whole identity. To the career. Yeah. And they can't imagine themselves in retirement. And and this is just who they are. And they just they don't want to give it up. You know? It's so sad, though. You know, it's so sad. And obviously we know that the Ruth Bader Ginsburg decision is the reason why we have a packed court full of far right and extremist conservatives. And with Mitch McConnell, he is going to meet a sticky end. I mean, he is going to have one of these episodes on camera and he won't wake up from it. You know, this is what's going to happen. It's like, are people waiting for that moment? Is is it become like a circus sideshow? I think it's very sad. Humanity goes out the window. This dovetails to our last conversation because yeah. a lot of modern independent voters have this concern about a second Joe Biden term, right. that we could be in a Mitch McConnell situation, and they don't necessarily want that. Brian Cox made a very good point on a British TV show. Brian Cox is the uh, Scottish actor who's in um, uh, the, the what is that TV show about the Trump family? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one. Succession. Succession. And he said that the problem with Joe Biden in terms of health is that he's been a runner for years, right? So his yeah. knees are shot. Yeah. And and so he looks older than he than he is, right? Because he's screwed his knees up. He's got this kind of weird waddle shuffle, yeah. right? Yeah. And yet he rides a bike and he's fit and he's slim and he, you know, he's he's not ill. And and so it just makes him look a lot older. And whilst he might be suffering from a little confusion every now and then, that does not stop him from doing a, you know, being a president and being yeah. a good president. I mean, we shouldn't miss the fact that his administration took this huge step to rein in price gouging for prescription drugs. Uh, you know, Medicare is now able to negotiate prices on, on 10 of the most expensive drugs used to, to treat diabetes and cancer and heart disease. And even the pharmaceutical companies have already filed at least eight lawsuits contesting the rule. I mean, that's a badass precedent. And so to, to kind of criticize him for being old, it's like America is so ageist. Yeah. Well, in America doesn't always focus on policies. They yeah. focus on personalities, right. you know, height, weight, looks, yeah. you know, all we're, that. We're going to come know, on to a, height and weight in just a, it's a, in just it's a moment. A, it's, a, it's a factor in this country. Yeah. It always has been. What What is a study shown that like the tallest candidate wins the presidency almost every time, which is very unusual or maybe has won every time, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Well, so it's lucky that Trump is seven foot two, except for maybe, yeah, I think maybe him and Biden are close to the same height. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, we're, we can be a very superficial country. But I, I think that the Biden administration has the Biden campaign has a huge war chest and it's amassing a massive war chest. And of course, they don't have to spend it on a primary. Um, so I think they're going to unload all of that on their record. And I think by this time next year, the economy is going to be in really good shape. And um, and he's going to have a pretty good record to sell. This is the thing with politics. We literally don't know what's around the corner. Whether no. you know whether McConnell will still be alive, whether Ruth Bader Ginsburg will come back from the dead. I mean, there's, there's no way of knowing. Uh, okay, let's talk about. And I want to show some clips. So we've got Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who, to all intents and purposes, is a kind of Trump fascist in disguise. He, uh, I was kind of shocked by a lot of what he said at the GOP debate, but I was more shocked by what he said after the debate. And he went on uh, television and he was asked a couple of questions that he didn't get to answer in full on the debate. So let's just show those and then we'll talk about it. And just keep that word fascism in mind when you listen to what he has to say. Uh, let me bring up a couple of questions you didn't get a chance to answer at the debate. Most of the candidates on stage Wednesday night said Mike sure. Pence did the right thing on January 6th. Do you agree? I would have done it very differently. I think that there was a historic opportunity that he missed to reunite this country in that window. What I would have said is this is a moment for a true national consensus where there's two elements of what's required for a functioning democracy in America. One is secure elections, and the second is a peaceful transfer of power. When those things come into conflict, that's an opportunity for heroism. Here's what I would have said. We need single-day voting on Election Day. 
We need paper ballots and we need government issued ID matching the voter file. And if we achieve that, then we have achieved victory and we should not have any further complaint about election integrity. So what would, so what I would, would have you driven have done through the Senate? So what would you have done as with Mike Pence? You would have so not certified the election? So in, in my capacity as president of the Senate, I would have led through that level of reform. Then on that condition, certified the election results, served it up to the president, yeah. President Trump, then to sign that into law. And on January 7th, declared the re-election campaign pursuant to a free and fair election. I think that was a missed opportunity, but that's the kind right. of spirit we're going to need to unite this country rather right. than sweeping those concerns under the rug. He's a dangerous one. You know... If this was 1992 or 1988 or 1976, or that would be the end of his campaign. Yeah. I mean, in in a in normal before we elected a reality TV star as president, before our politics was wrecked, um, that's, that's an insane statement like that that shows no understanding of the Constitution or how our government works would immediately disqualify it somebody from running but not anymore um they, that's just like a blip on the radar people hardly notice what he what he says there is that what he would have done first of all the vice president as president of the senate has really like two functions one break ties cast a tie-breaking vote and two uh count the electoral votes that's pretty much the only role that the vp has as president of the senate but what vivek says vivek says is that he's going to he was going to leading up to January 6th, sort of storm in there to Congress, to the Senate, and say, "We here's what we're going to do. I, I demand that the federal government order all state and local municipalities to do away with voting machines, do away with early voting, mail-in absentee voting, that they're all going to have to do paper ballots. This is what he's going to do as VP. And we're all going to vote on one day, election day, and that's it. And... um." And if you agree to that, I will certify the election of Joe Biden as the winner and, and we'll we'll move on. But if you don't agree with transforming the entire way that we vote in this country, I'm not going to certify the election. That's what he just said. Yeah. Now, that's treason. And that's that's profoundly di uh, not understanding the way that that our government works. And yet uh, doesn't doesn't affect him. He rolls right on down the campaign trail. But even the journalist was that chuck todd i think yeah just has just moved on to the next just question moved on again and this is what i'm saying about the failure of journalists to yes. hold authoritarians to account yep. and you know the, this the rise of fascism fascism is happening before our very eyes you know they're not even making a secret of it anymore and yet there is no pushback you know it, it has to be there's only really two groups three groups that can push back there's journalists in their capacity doing the news there's opposition political opposition and there's activists right and i feel like maybe two of the three have really failed you know the activists are doing pretty well but there is a genuine genu uh, a general failure to recognize what is happening to the united states but maybe you know, you know, I interviewed someone the other day and they were just like, well, maybe America just gets what it deserves. Maybe yeah, this is well, just what it has to has to go through. And the reason why I've paid a lot more attention to Vivek and people have said, oh, don't give him what he wants. He wants attention is because, look, this guy, this guy very well could be president. Look, <laughs> Trump could go to prison in April of, uh, and, you know, this could be thrown wide and Vivek could be the front runner at that point. He's got tons of money. MAGA likes him. You know, if there's they're not going to support DeSantis, but they they like Vivek, even and, though he's and this a is what we don't this is what we can't predict. And this is why politics yes. is engaging and exciting is because you just don't know how the House of Cards will fall and who will be left standing. And I agree. People like him who have confidence, they have financial backing and they have this kind of Dunning-Kruger syndrome, right, where they just believe they're an expert. It's like American exceptionalism. It, it it works. It worked for Trump. And he is, to all intents and purposes, doing Trump's bidding. And he is supported by, you know, the Federalist Society and all these organizations and pressure groups and lobby groups. They want that he's doing what they want. And Trump said he thought he did great in the debate. He praised yeah. his debate performance. Yeah. He's considering him as a running mate. So, yes, this is a very dangerous person. And also, they'll take advantage of the fact that he has brown skin 
and they'll yep. say, oh, well, you know, we're not a racist party anymore because look at our candidate, you know, and, and that unfortunately will be used for all of the wrong reasons. And yep. to some people, it'll stack up. Um, okay, let's uh, move on because it's all becoming, there's a, there's a lot to unpack today. Uh, on Fox, there was a very kind of interesting kind of dramatic moment about, it was about Trump's height and weight and him obviously lying about that. But there was also other stuff. I mean, this clip is full of lies. Let's just uh, take a look and then we can talk about it. To your use of the word circus, that's exactly what this is. I think it is a mockery and a travesty. It's a mockery of the justice system. And for so many people like me who have spent hundreds of hours and a career invested in what criminal justice should and does look like, this is nothing of it. And it's just hallmarked and underscored by the fact that the president comes out at 7.30 with that horrible tweet that's absolutely beneath the office, that MSNBC puts up the weight and height count of the president compared with Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. This whole thing is a travesty, and I'm um, embarrassed for everyone involved, especially that Fulton County DA. Well, Pete, um, I think there were some maybe legitimate questions about the height and weight uh, as self-reported by the former president. Who knows? It, it sparked a lot of memes last night. It did. I, I mean, that was a heck of a mugshot, though. That is a... That, it's not often you look at a photo and you say, that is for the history books. Mm. That he changed the subject pretty quickly there, didn't he? Um, oh, and yeah. he's right about the mugshot. I mean, it is one for the history books, but he was saying it as a positive rather than as a negative. Yeah, you get a little snapshot there of the level of intellectual discourse that happens on Fox News all day long. You know, that's the kind of stuff that goes on. Um, the the self-reporting, I mean, I knew that the mugshots were self-reporting for a few reasons. One is just my experience as a criminal lawyer. They don't have, it's on a doctor's office in jail. They don't have, you know, scales and <laughs> weight. They just ask you to give your height and weight. So I figured that that, that was what, what was going to happen here. But then what really proved it is Rudy went first and Rudy gave his height and weight as, I think, 5'11", like 185. <laughs> so I'm like, OK, well, obviously they're they're self-reporting here because Rudy ain't that, you know, Rudy's more like 5'8", you know, 290. Um, so I I figured, well, what is Trump going to do? Because I didn't even think he would go that crazy. I, I thought he would go like, six three two fifty and people would just kind of like go oh, maybe you fudged it a little but nobody would have really made fun of that um but instead trump being trump you know he's got to just completely narcissistically go create off into crazy land and and you know the question is was he doing is that a joke i don't think so i think he put that out there thinking that his followers would actually believe he's six three two fifteen because but it they begs probably the question do. What else, you know, if you're lying about that, yeah. you're you're lying about everything. And, you know, he, to me, if you were smart, you would be accurate with those figures because then you would could give the impression that everything you talk about is factual and accurate. And, and But to lie about well, your height and weight suggests to me that he is comfortable lying about anything and everything and doesn't really care everything uh, about like, the consequences well, you know his crowd sizes too again they drive him you know sometimes he gets very big crowds at rallies sometimes not but sometimes he does like the one that he didn't pick in south carolina had a huge huge turnout i mean it was basically like half of south carolina showed up but that's trump country right so what does he do he goes out and says he had eighty thousand people well then the story becomes trump's lying again instead of just saying like i had 30 grand there what a crowd He's got to lie and just wreck it, you know? But what is the obsession with, with measurements? You know, it's, it's so childish. It is. And, and it's so frustrating because it, it doesn't benefit anybody. Like, who cares? I don't care how tall or fat he is. It's irrelevant to me. I care whether or not he's an authoritarian and a fascist or a good person with a good soul and a good heart who cares, uh, you know, about the country. And he he's... It's it just frustrates me because that, the, the, again, the media the, is focusing on the wrong bit. That's part of the mystique. That's part of his sales pitch to his base. Yeah. You know, that's why they put out all the memes of him riding horses and rippling muscles and shooting guns and driving tanks. You know, that's part of this whole image of him as the strong man. It's the authoritarian strong man. It's like Putin does the same thing, you know, with his shirtless videos. And and when he plays hockey, he scores eight goals every game, just like Trump wins every golf tournament. I mean, they're they're very much the same in that way. Um, it's all part of their image. It's it's very frustrating, isn't it? Because, you know, again, the whole national conversation 
is a, is focused in the wrong area. Yeah. And and so it just means that you know everyone's got a job to do. I understand journalists need to be paid and but it's almost like people are playing a role like it's a big theatrical production and the audience knows how to be an audience. I mean Americans are very good audiences. They know when to laugh, they know when to clap, they know when to holler and cheer. British audiences they just kind of sit there and they're just like impress me, you know. And I, I so I've I've always enjoyed that kind of performative aspect of of the culture. But it shouldn't be playing out in politics, and it is. And so, you know, and I see it when Trump supporters are interviewed. They are so passionate about winning, but you never actually say, like, what are you winning? Like, how are you benefiting? Like, it never goes anything below the top line. And so it's almost as if people can put all of their energies behind supporting him and, and funding him and everything, but they never really ask the question, how is my life going to get better? What is going to change? It's like the obsession with winning and size and measurements overpowers any of the of the of the actual detail and the substance. It's not just winning; it's the other side. It's right. seeing the other side lose. You know, hearing them cry. They're lo- they're losers. They're snowflakes. Uh, they're wine. You know, th- there's nothing they love more than a Democratic politician complaining or something yeah. like that. They, they blow because it's important for them to know that the other side is in pain, that the other side is upset. That that means a lot to them. It's it's as important to them as winning is owning the libs. It's so unhealthy just for us, you know, all of us yeah. for humanity. It is an unhealthy way to live. Um, OK, let's talk about Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, he claims that Trump's mugshot is going to actually help Trump with black male voters. This is something that he... Did he post this on on Truth Social? Uh, I'll read it for our audio listeners. He said, In the urban black community, a mugshot can be an iconic symbol, both of victimization and of greatness. It's a defiant up yours to the man. Think Tupac Shakur. Trump is now the ultimate gangster in our culture. Yeah. So uh, a nerdy... Uh Indian guy went to Harvard is an expert on black culture, black urban culture. And by the way, Dinesh also has had his mugshot taking because he was convicted of fraud before uh, Trump pardoned him. So obviously this is a subject he knows well. And he's the guy that created this, was it 2000 2000 mules? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's to pay back Trump for his pardon. So, which he wasn't, he was pretty mad at me. He called me an idiot when I said that. I said I said he made that movie to pay back Trump for the pardon. He, he and he said I was an idiot. So although I was right, I'll take um, that as a win, Ron. If you can, yeah. Um, here's what I'm gonna. This there's a ser- that that's that's cartoonish, but there's also a serious part of this, which is which is this. Trump is making a big play, just as he did in 2020 for the uh, Latino vote in certain targeted areas, South Florida and Texas, and and others. Arizona, he's making a play for the black male vote, not the black female vote. He understands he can't win that. <laughs> that that's lost to him forever. <laughs> black women are smart enough not to vote for Donald Trump. Uh, but he's making a play for the black male vote, and he has been doing this for two years now. And and you'll see he goes, people, this is all under the radar, so most people don't see it. I see it because I follow him. He goes on a lot of the podcasters. He's been going to sporting events, you know, the wrestling, the UFC, the mixed martial arts. He's going into places um, that have a lot of credibility with the black male community. And so what he's hoping, he knows he's not going to get the majority, but what he thinks is that if I can chip off 30% of the black male vote, that could make a difference in Pennsylvania. That could make a difference in Georgia. That could make a difference in Arizona. So there are there are a few key states, Wisconsin, Michigan, where if he gets a chunk of the black male vote, he could that could be the difference. And and by the way, Joe Biden is not very doesn't poll very well among the black male voters. So he sees that as a weakness and an opportunity. So this mugshot sort of does play into that. They're trying to sell that like Trump is a gangster. Trump is tough. Trump is bad. He fights the man. He's a rebel kind of thing. Whether that's going to play or not, I don't know. But that that's that's the serious part behind 
Dinesh's foolery. And Dinesh's racism as well. Let's yes. not ignore the fact that what he said Very is so racist. painfully racist. Yes. And, you know, just because he has brown skin himself does not excuse his racism. And, you know, you, you don't have to be white to be racist. And not at there's all. been plenty written about that. Uh, okay, let's talk about uh, Colton Moore. Now, he's the Georgia state senator, and he ain't happy about any of this. In fact, he's kind of effectively saying that he's going to go after Forney Willis, right? Let's uh, take a look at this clip, and then you can explain what his master grand plan is all about. You've got the ability to, to uh, subpoena documents, to subpoena witnesses. And at the end of the day, we've got the legislative authority to call in the Supreme or the uh, state troopers and bring these people in. Right. I mean, I mean, and now that we've got 19 people who are facing the rest of their life in prison because they spoke out against an election. I mean, you know, I, I told one senator, I said, listen, I said, we've got to put our heads together and figure this out. We need to be taking action right now, because if we don't, our constituencies are going to be fighting it in the streets. Do you want a civil war? I don't want a civil war. I don't want to have to draw my rifle. I want to make this problem go away with my legislative means of doing so. And the first step to getting that done is defunding Fonnie Willis of any Georgia tax dollars. And hopefully Representative Jordan and Representative Biggs will follow suit in Congress and strip her of her federal dollars, too, because she is not upholding her oath to the Constitution. I thought they didn't want to defund the police. Colton Moore's district, this gives you some context, is the same district as Marjorie Taylor Greene. He is from northwest Georgia. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene, he went to the University of Georgia, and his district is part of her congressional district. So that should tell you it's also where they filmed the movie Deliverance. So that should tell you all you need to know about what's happening here. The other good thing is Colton Moore is pretty much by himself in the Georgia Senate doing this, uh, demanding that Brian Kemp. And, you know, the whole Trump indictment is about all of these Georgia senators and Trump pressuring Brian Kemp and Raffensperger to to call a special session. That's most of what the racketeering case is about. And here he's doing it again. This guy, he's demanding that Brian Kemp, the same playbook, call it. Move Fannie Willis from office or defund defund the largest district attorney's office in Georgia that prosecutes so many murders, robberies, burglaries, like take away all their funding. That's what he's calling for, which is fantastical. The governor, Brian Kemp, has already said, I'm not doing this. The other Georgia senators who have signed on to this, maybe one or two. And, you know, this guy's fundraising off of it. So it's like this. It's like the Marjorie Taylor Greene stupidity grifter playbook, you know, to play to their that base. That's like the Neanderthal base of the Republican Party. But it's all performative. The rhetoric is very dangerous. Yeah. You know, civil war getting his rifle. You know, he 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 let something slip, which I thought was really interesting. He said to make this problem go away. Now, that to me is a confession that it's a problem, that it's not a kind of, you know, it's not an acknowledgement. The problem is Fannie Willis. It's a legal, you know, he's not buying into the kind of legalities of things. It's just to him, it's a problem. And so he wants to use his legislative abilities to make it go away. Well, you can't make something go away that already exists. You know, it's like you need due process. And the whole point of a court is due process and if there is innocence to be had then the problem will go away but if there is guilt then you just have to live with it here's what these gangster criminals like him and donald trump and marjorie green know they know how their followers some of whom have an iq of 70 and are heavily armed They know how they perceive what he said. They're not thinking about special sessions and legislative solutions. When he says Fannie Willis is a problem, we need to make that problem go away. They and he's talking about rifles and civil war. Yeah, that's a call to arms. He's he's calling for an assassin is what he's calling for. 
um, encoded language. And then, of course, if that does happen, he's going to say, well, I, I specifically, just like Trump, I specifically said, you know, go peacefully. Uh, I didn't tell him to do storm the Capitol. You know, it's it's this coded language, thinly veiled, but they know their base, base very well and they know how they'll take it. I mean, it's it's terrifying that it has come to this in, in the U.S. You know, they talk about civil war like it's a way off, but it isn't. It's already here. You know, because a war doesn't play out like a war did 150 years ago. With but you know, boots the... on the ground. It, it's done. It's done online. It's done through code, as you describe. It's done through people hacking systems. It's done through lone gunmen showing up at party offices. I mean, the civil war is very much underway, and we would be foolish to think that it isn't. But if you study the our first civil war very carefully and, and you read a lot of the speeches and things that were being said in the south leading up to it it was all the same kind of stuff that they thought it was going to be quick and easy and it was going to yeah. be fun and it wasn't they they never imagined none of them if you read the speeches if you look at what they were saying in in 1860 none of them thought it was going to go the way it went right. none of them thought it was going to be a bloodbath where they were going to be occupied it's so they were tossing around the same kind of language back then as you're hearing now. Um, now it's a different time and I don't think it's going to happen, but but still, this kind of rhetoric incites crazy people to do crazy things. Talking of which, let's look at the Reawaken America tour because oh, this, yeah. this language is exactly what you're describing, yeah. And this is where this call to arms has now moved from politics into religion, uh. It's not a recent thing. It's been going on for decades, but it is particularly um, poignant right now. And the language of this... Just tell us who this guy is. I, I haven't heard of him, so just explain who, who he is before... Is it Stu somewhere? Oh, Stu Peters. So yeah. first I should talk about what the Reawaken America tour was. So this was... This, this is came Mike out Flynn's in, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's Clay Clark is the organizer, but Michael Flynn is heavily involved in it. Eric Trump... You know, Mike Lindell, a bunch of other people, but it really started out as like a protest thing of COVID, uh, vax conspiracies, COVID conspiracies, and it was mostly medical stuff and and the schools and the CRT and all that. In 2021 is when it started, and it's sort of like snowballed and morphed because a lot of those issues have gone away, although they still talk about them. But you know, they're more into it's become more. Christian nationalist in nature. Uh, it shifted away from a lot of the medical stuff into more the Christian nationalism. And a lot of that is Michael Flynn driving it. Most of the people who attend these things, they're like three day seminars. They travel around, they do one every month, one every two months. These people pay like literally thousands of dollars to attend these. The people speaking at these make a lot of money. Um, so it, it, and some of the craziest stuff gets put out at these things. Now, Stu Peters is a really crazy. And by the way, most of these people are like QAnon people who go to these things. Yeah. Stu Peters is a really crazy right wing talk show host who says a lot of crazy things. He's behind a lot of conspiracies, one of which was like uh, the, the Barack Obama is um, really uh, gay and Michelle is a man. That's that's like a favorite Stu Pe Peters conspiracy. So. That that's who that's who this guy is, which is very worrying, isn't it? If you think about it, because you know we just the name reawaken America. It's almost as if they're saying to their followers that you know without this, without you paying thousands to come to this seminar, you're brain dead. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna wake you up. But what they're actually doing is brainwashing. Yeah, we're very, gonna educate you. Yeah, right. And 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 the reeducation is is actually undue influence and there's a, there's a lot of science behind this that steve hassan talks about in his book cult of trump uh, okay let's take a look i, I pre-warn you this is this is not for the faint-hearted is it no and there's by the way there's like five thousand people in attendance at this yeah this is in las vegas yeah. roseanne barr also spoke at this by the that's way that's right she had a photo taken with with mike right. flynn didn't she like they were right. best buddies okay here we go where is hunter because then we will put Hunter Biden on trial. Not for tax evasion. Not for some phony gun violation or money laundering. No, we're going to put him on trial for the real crime that he committed. Treason. 
handing this country off to rich oligarchs in China and Vladimir Zelensky's Ukraine. And when he's convicted for those crimes, he will get the punishment that traitors like Julius and Ethel Rosenberg received before him. Death! We're going to expose all the lies around our fake and stolen rigged and gay elections. We're going to put the sexual depravity of our fake leaders on full display. And then, when the truth is known to the entire world, we are going to have extreme accountability. This is my favorite part. Because, let's be clear, accountability is God's job. But it's not solely God's job. No, it's our job too. So we're going to drag Tony Fauci out of retirement. We're going to put him in the docket. We will force him to confront his lies about gain-of-function research. We will read off every single one of the emails that he sent exposing the research that he funded at that bioweapons lab called the Wuhan Institute of Virology. We'll expose all of the emails he sent organizing and promoting the lies that covered it all up. And we will hold him accountable for the millions of lives that his illegal research cost. And when he is convicted, after a short and fast but thorough trial, he will hang from a length of thick rope until he is dead. Standing ovation, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, um, Stu, by the way, also sells uh, a device for your home um, on his website where uh, he says that people shed their vaccine um, off of their body who are vaccinated and it can go on to people who aren't vaccinated and contaminate them. So he sells a filter that you can put in your home to protect you from. I, I think from I've that. read about this. I mean, yeah. this is so, just cuckoo. But, but you, what he but was saying see, there yeah. is so completely terrifying. Yep. And, and again, it's had no coverage from from the media. The fact no. that people no. who are mobilizing huge swathes of Republican voters are talking about hanging the opposition from rope until they are dead. Trump's national security advisor, Michael Flynn, was on the stage with this man. Trump's son is at the is at the same his oldest son who runs his business enterprises shares a stage with this man and they love it that they, 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 they relish it yeah but the media's approach is um well we don't want to give them publicity so That's we so can't wrong. talk about them so wrong. because that'll be bad you know um yeah Stu Stu is a not a not a good guy i mean it begs the question you know if you if you it's like the, the, the subheading of uh, the newspaper, America di uh, dies in darkness. You know, the idea that if you don't expose and if you don't publicize, you really kind of f are failing the you're failing democracy if you're not communicating about everything, you know. Do you think Joe Biden knows about this stuff? Do you think, no. do you think he is aware of the depths to which these kind of Republican factions will go to, to A, fundraise, but B, brainwash. It's one of my frustrations with the older generation, not just of Democrats, but I mean across the board in media, not just in politics, but across the board, is that uh, I think a lot of them don't understand what's happening with the right wing movement in this country. They have sort of, they see bits and pieces, but they're not really plugged in. The people who do get it are like people like Jamie Raskin, people like Gavin Newsom, people like Gretchen Whitmer. Um, you know, you can go on and on. Cory Booker, uh, Eric Swalwell, the younger Democrats get it. They understand what is happening out there and they're they're plugged in. Um, but I think the older ones don't um, uh, in, the, in the establishment media is, is the case as well. So I, I wish that they would. I feel like they don't really per understand the threat or perceive it very well. When Biden talks about, you know, MAGA Republicans, 
he's reading lines. I, I don't get the sense that he really understands it. You know what's happening. Like, I don't think he's ever seen something like Stu Peters standing up in front of 5,000 people saying that stuff. I think he would probably be shocked. Um, but that stuff happens all the time, every day. But, but it goes back to this phrase, you know, that democracy dies in darkness. And I just cannot get my head around the fact that why the media is choosing to ignore this stuff and, and again, just try and carry on like business as usual, which goes back to that GOP debate yeah. where they, you know, they, they didn't, they just didn't pick up on the fact that, you know, Trump had chosen not to be there and yet he was the front runner. And he'd chosen not to be there because he knew that he would probably perjure himself or, or be in contempt because he can't keep his mouth shut. I mean, incidentally, I should just say that he has now gone all out. He had, He's loaded six videos onto Truth Social in the last 24 hours where anything that he was told by Tanya Chutkin or, or any of the kind of judges or DAs to kind of keep shtum, he's now thrown all that out the window and he's going like full crazy MAGA. This is not going to end well. You know, this is not going to end well, Ron. We should kind of point this out. And, and I really want to make it clear that anybody that thinks they can sit back and relax and that Joe Biden's got this in the bag mm. and that, you know, Trump is ancient history and he's following his small... It's like, yeah, his following is small, but when it comes to the choice between this two-horse race, anything could happen. And, and it's going to be far worse an experience for anybody who is not a kind of rich, white racist living in America for the, and the next four years of a Trump presidency. There are, there are tens of millions of people in this country who never watch the news, who vote. They never watch the news. Yeah. They're watching home shopping channels, sitcoms, sports, they're, they're, they're reading, they never turn on the news. The only time they start to pay attention to the elections is typically like a month before the presidential election. So they may know bits and pieces of what's going on as far as the Trump indictments, things like that, but they're not paying attention to any of this stuff. And so those people are very easily swayed. And, and unfortunately, those are the people who tend to decide elections in our country and um, and so, yeah, that's why absolutely Trump can win. And they can't decipher truth from lies. They, they no. don't have the radar for it. And it's not their fault. But to be lied to so outwardly is, is just it's such a shame because it's such a great country. You know what I mean? It has like so much potential to be the greatest country in the world again. But as long as you have this cesspool of lies and division, it's just never going to be able to do that. Um, let's talk about Tucker Carlson, because as we know, Trump skipped the debate, but he did do a long interview with Tucker Carlson, which made no sense at all. I put a couple of videos out about it. It just it makes no sense. But I think he was, again, told not to really talk about any of the cases. And he found that quite difficult. But Tucker Carlson has now gone out and he's yet again punting for the Russians. Here's the clip. The world is resetting completely. The post-war order is collapsing. NATO is going to collapse, obviously. You can't have the main, the driver of NATO, which is the United States, sabotaged Germany's main source of cheap energy in Nord Stream. The Biden administration blew up Nord Stream. And the Germans are so self-hating, they won't say anything about it. They sort of put their head down like, no, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. But I do want to talk about it because it's important. First of all, it was important. It was an attack on Germany which is the most powerful country in Europe. Western Europe is America's last main ally, and we just attacked our most important ally. NATO cannot stand long-term. At some point, the Germans are gonna wake up and be like, wait a second, we had chemical plants two years ago, now we don't. You just wrecked our economy. I just, I don't think it can continue after that. I really don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see how it does. He says, maybe I'm wrong to kind of throw a seed of doubt, but he knows exactly what he's doing. Everything he just said, is out of Vladimir Putin's Kremlin playbook. The investigations, for those who don't know about the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, these this kind of sabotage, three countries investigated it separately. The consensus, although there's been no clear ruling, is that Russia did this to themselves to make it look like it was a, an attack from abroad. And, you, you know, you to have Tucker Carlson, someone who claims to be a patriot, just come out and blame Joe Biden for attacking a... Uh, a gas pipeline between Russia and Europe is just, it's, it's so depraved. 
Yeah, there's there's no there's a lot here. There's no conclusive proof whatsoever. I mean, it could the U.S. could have done it maybe, but there's no proof of that. We don't know for sure. He's just saying it like it's it's a known fact. Yeah. But like, there's, no, there's not even a suggestion that the U.S. An, did it. Yeah, it, it's just absolutely the U.S. did this. When he has zero proof whatsoever, no yeah. proof whatsoever, yeah. he's just saying the U.S. must have done it, yeah. which is, of course, what Vladimir Putin also is saying. Yeah. So Vladimir Putin said 20 years ago that his dream, his his he has two dreams. One is rebuild the, the old Soviet Union to you know put the Soviet bloc kind of back together mostly. And then... And two is to break up NATO. Those are his two. And he said if he could do two things as leader of Russia, those are the two things he would like to do. How do you break up NATO? How you break up NATO, you're not going to drive a wedge between the U.S. and the U.K. That's never going to happen or most of the other NATO countries. But his, if you sever, if Germany leaves NATO, NATO is pretty much done. So I think that the goal is to try and drive wedges between Germany and the U.S., which has always had a close relationship. So Trump gets in there. What do you see? Angela Merkel, who was very pro-U.S., extremely. She she said she grew up idolizing America and loving America as a young girl. Uh, um, and you have Trump immediately insult her, hostile to her adversarial to her you have trump complaining about nato not paying their fair share you know it's it's this it praising putin it's this constant he, he you know this is the guy i believe who is going to break up nato for vladimir putin was donald trump and um and and i think that that was going to happen in in trump's second term i think that that's why putin was waiting to invade ukraine that was going to be the impetus to do it he was going to invade you trump couldn't pull us out of nato in his first term and get reelected so he gets reelected he's lame duck putin invades ukraine us doesn't help in any way and that break that causes nato to break up and so that didn't pan out because he didn't get reelected and so here you have Tucker trying to trying to say, while in Hungary, hey, t- Germany, you should be pissed off. We blew up your pipeline. Why aren't you mad? Why aren't you more mad at the U.S.? And by the way, what use is NATO anyway? Why, why do we even have NATO anymore? This is a traitor. He's a treasonous traitor. And NATO has never been stronger. I mean, this is the thing. No, you know, people- or bigger or bigger and you know they want you to think that nato is on its knees but it's quite the opposite nato has never been stronger and nato knows full well the threat of a far-right fascist united states and what it could mean to have a second trump presidency nato is prepared for that because trump will once again side with putin align with kim jong-un and with Viktor orban of hungary who gave an insane interview the other day, which we could talk about another time. But, I mean, we are now at a point where the U- we, are, we have to seriously question the future of the U.S.'s allegiance on the world stage because it's, it's now becoming that... The threat is that dangerous because it really isn't that far away. And anything that Trump failed to do in his first presidency, he will absolutely make sure he does in his second. And I will say, you know, I'm I'm very concerned about Tucker running for president in 2028. I've said this before. I believe that that's what he wants to do. But, you know, he keeps going further and further out into crazyville more and more. And and if there's one positive thing about it is, you know, he's really getting far out there. And these clips are going to come back to haunt him if he does run someday. Let's um break the ice and lighten the mood with Mike Lindell and his latest towel collection because, (laughs) I mean, it's a sad story in a way because, you know, the guy started out running a a family business, you know, the the MyPillow guy and doing his commercials and became a kind of bit of a a cult character on, you know, American culture. and, And he really has now lost pretty much everything. You know, he's been selling off sewing machines. And so, we have a clip here that you posted of a kind of last desperate act where he goes on Steve Bannon's podcast and he's basically begging the audience to buy some of this new range of towels that they finally got back in stock. 
They look like the mangiest old towels I ever saw. I think he took a shower with them before he went on the show. Anyway, here it is. Uh, Mike, real quickly, uh, the company, they're trying to put you out of business. People have to understand they're hitting people from every – we're going to have Rudy on here later, Carrie Lake. They're coming after everybody. They're particularly trying to shut down the employee-owned company, uh, MyPillow. Tell me me about what are you guys doing to combat that? Well, and this just happened over the weekend, uh, or actually last week, where we were getting money for, I was personally, and the bank stopped it on the guy, that we were where we were getting it, because it, they deemed it political. And this is for my company, for my pillow. And Steve, what we're combating it with, we have all of our towels that are in, they're back in stock, and we're doing a 50% off sale for these six-pack sets. Use promo code WARROOM. All these colors are in. We've been without them for about a month and a half. And it's the biggest savings on us that you're ever going to get on it. They, uh, right now on a uh, six-piece towel set, you get two washcloths, two hand towels, and two of the bigger towels. And we've got... All everything else are on sale too. If you go to mypillow.com, go to the square so keeping us going. We're an employee-owned company. I just am the biggest shareholder. We have families, grandchildren, children, all my employees. They have to sit and worry every day because he's attacked. The one last week was disgusting that they stopped another person's bank from giving us money because the big bank held it back and said it was political. Because why? Because I want to have secure elections in our country. All people want that. The lesson is don't go work for a company where the boss is nuts. I mean, it's. I do feel sorry for him. And I do feel sorry for his employees. But you can't get on the wrong side of history and claim that an election is rigged when it isn't and then not shut up about it. Yeah. And few people have bled more money out of Lindell than my good friend Steve Bannon right there on his uh, pod. I say my good friend because we frequently exchange barbs on social media, even though he's not on Twitter. Um, so here's the deal. Mike was, you know, it, it's a big success story. I mean, he was a crack addict. He was uh, you know, homeless and he came up with this idea for this pillow company. Everything is made in the USA, American employees, Minnesota. It was a great story and he's selling it on, you know, the home shopping things and all that. And then he met Donald Trump, <laughs> you know, and Donald Trump, I think, saw this guy as the ultimate sucker. You know, here's a guy with a former crack addict who went rags to riches. He's got tons of cash and he's susceptible to hero worship and cult like stuff. And Trump just took advantage of him and played him hook, line and sinker. And here we are a few years later where basically Lindell, he's, he has like 2,500 employees in Minnesota and he's, he's running the company out of business. And a lot of these employees have like stock in their company and, and benefit packages and all that. And they're going to lose it all because Lindell has spent He's already talked about he spent like 60 or 70 million dollars on Donald Trump on on like trying to overturn the election. So what happened here is his bank that his recent bank that gave him a line of credit to keep his pillow company going, found out that he was diverting their money to pay for these new electronic devices that he's manufacturing to try and detect fraud and voting machines. So instead of spending their money on pillow inventory, spending it on a more election stuff and they cut him off. So now I don't know he's going to be able to keep this company going. You know, he's probably going to go belly up. These people are all going to lose their jobs. Their families are going to be hurt. And, you know, there's going to be two people responsible, Mike Lindell and Donald Trump. And you also have to ask questions of who it is that invented a machine that's going to find fraud in a voting machine and if that Mike thing Lindell. really works, or if it's fake, right? And it's you know it's like there was a British guy that sold all these dowsing rods to the to the you know military in Africa to look for landmines, and it was it was just bullshit, you know. And he got sent to prison for years, but he was basically selling a fake thing, and all he did was put it in a briefcase with some foam to make it look official, and and was selling these things to the military and making a fortune, millions he made. And, it, and and this is my this is the sadness for me is that you know even Mike Lindell is being grifted yep, by he whoever is. else he's trying to do business with to get to the bottom of the voting machines. It's like sixty two court cases said there was no fraud in the election. 
Dominion suing Fox. It's like, give it up already. There are hundreds of people drifting off Lindell. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so I want to talk about uh, Ron DeSantis. We've kind of given him a wide berth this episode for for all the right reasons. Um, I have this picture of him. Just explain what it is. But he 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 did like a presser, and this was in Jacksonville, wasn't it? And uh, it didn't quite go as well as he was hoping. Of course, this is, you know, right after the shooting, like a vigil. And here he's trying to explain to them not to worry because, you know, he's going to give the families money. Uh, of the people who are just shot and, uh, you know, help pay for their funerals and stuff. So the what really strikes me about this picture is we've never seen this before in Florida. I, I'm here in Florida. I watch all of DeSantis's press conferences and events. He never allows anyone in his events or near him who is not a supporter. So you, like literally this, you, what you're seeing in this picture, no one in Florida has ever seen before, which is Ron DeSantis surrounded by people who don't like him. Uh, he just doesn't ever allow that to happen because he can't handle being criticized. And, and so this was a time where he had no choice. He had to go. You could tell from his body language. I watched much video of this. He did not want to be there. He was very uncomfortable, but he had no choice. If he didn't go, he was going to get destroyed publicly. So he goes, and of course, they heckled him. They jeered him. But, you know, this goes to show you that he has never been interested in being the governor of Florida. He's been interested in being the governor of right-wing Republicans in Florida. And now, for the first time, he just came into contact with the rest of Florida and got a little taste of what they think about him. Well, he got a similar taste when he did his tour of the country and, and realized that his kind of extremist policies would didn't sit pretty with anybody outside of Florida or indeed people in Florida. That's right. This is the other thing that you know people fail to realize, that he is a terrible governor. Like, living in Florida is not peachy. And, nope. and you know, the cost of living, the cost of insurance especially, it's becoming untenable. And so, you know, all this talk about, oh, I've made Florida, you know, the great state of Florida. I mean, it's it's just not true. And and he talks a good talk. But Trump said in an interview with uh, Tucker Carlson, he let slip that he's going to that, that DeSantis is going to drop his bid for um, president and he's going to run for the Senate. Is that not right? Gonna or was happen. He just That was a distraction, was it? Not going to happen because he can't he can't by law. I mean, he, he'd have to resign his position as governor because when when Ron had the legislature change the law to allow him to run for president without resigning as governor, which had been the law in Florida, they only changed it if you're going to run for vice president or president, right. not for Senate. Yep. So he can't run for Senate unless he resigns as governor, which he is not going to do. So he's not going to resign his position as governor to run against Rick Scott, who's got a couple of hundred mil in the bank, uh, that's not going to happen. Okay, just Trump trying to just Trump being stir Trump. things up in the, yep. in the usual way. Okay, finally, let's finish with Donald Trump because uh, again, you know, he's trying to kind of not perjure himself, so he's like talking about random things at the moment and to try and change the subject away from his his mugshot and the and the four indictments. He actually hinted there might be a fifth indictment when he was interviewed, which I thought was very interesting, and there is talk of that even happening. But um, he was on the golf course, and uh, he posted on Truth Social, I am pleased to report, for those that care, that I just won the senior club championship, must be over 50 years old, at Bedminster, Trump National Golf Club, brackets, shooting a round of 67. Now, some people will think that that sounds low, but there is no hanky-lanky. Many people watch, plus I'm surrounded by secret service agents. Not much you can do, even if you wanted to, and I don't. For some reason, I'm just a good golfer slash athlete. I have won many club championships, and it's always a great honor. Yeah, so he's not kidding around. I mean, he's like seriously wants people to believe that he won. And and he also won last year, by the yeah. way, and the year before and the year. Be- yeah, I joke it's like 39 consecutive, but literally he has supposedly won like 24 years. Uh, I think I don't think he's ever not won. Put it that way. Uh, there's just no way anyone else. But here, here's what he wants you to believe. So this is a 50 and up tournament. So 50 year olds are in this tournament. He's 77. 
And if you looked at the scoreboard, and I posted the scoreboard, there was about 50 golfers that played in this thing. And um, so he's probably one of the oldest ones. Like no one else of them even broke like 78. Like the the next best score was like a 78. So he's going to have you believe that he's 27 years older than all these other guys who are probably very good golfers if they're playing in this tournament. And he beat the second place guy by like over 10 strokes. Like (laughs) there's no, and by the way, Phil Mickelson played on that course last year and did not shoot a 67. So it was one of the, you know, the greatest golfers in the world. So, um, and Trump is six foot three and 220 pounds. It's just that the man is a habitual liar. Um, but you know, some of MAGA, you know, I, I, I messed around with somebody in the Trump campaign. I go, listen, man, come on. Isn't that funny? He goes, he goes, hey, man, he just he just laughed. He, he said, hey, man, he's a great athlete. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, it, it reminds me a bit of like, you know, the kind of dictators of history who who yes. are obsessed with their looks. Like Nero. You know, yeah, Silvio Berlusconi, like people who have got this kind of prowess that they are convinced that they are Adonises, that they are great athletes and that they you know, that everybody else should see it. And it's really kind of the emperor's new clothes, isn't it? And I, it's the, the psychological aspect of Trump, for me, is the reason I keep coming back. You know, I'm, I'm so fascinated by his insanity and, and his, his kind of mental pathology. I, I find it completely fascinating. And I do wish that the media would talk more about mental health and, and narcissistic personality disorder and all of the things that he has been diagnosed with by experts and professionals. And yet they just treat him like a normal candidate. And, you know, maybe America does get what what it deserves. Listen, we have to finish. But before we do, I want to uh, tip off our viewers that we're going to make a little change to this show, aren't we? And we are going to, from next week, we're going to change the name of this show a little bit. And there is a reason for this. We're going to take away the word MAGA and we're going to replace it with the word America. I was actually thinking we should not call it America Uncovered, but just America Uncovered with a, an apostrophe. If that works for you, Ron, it works for me. Because, <laughs> and the reason that we need to do this is because I think, and we've, you know, we've done a little research, and it seems that some people might be put off thinking that it's actually a MAGA show, that yeah. is for MAGA people, that is, you know, and, and so people might not want, I mean, we're very grateful that so many people watch this show, but we want to reach more people. And so uh, I think it would be helpful if we just made a small adjustment so we'll keep the red and the white and the blue we'll keep uncovered but i, I want to change it to america uncovered and hopefully you'll stay with us and we'll allow this show to continue to grow so ron thank you for being my partner in crime it's uh, always a pleasure and um we'll we'll come back next week if you know you haven't been blown away by a, by another hurricane between now and then all right maybe we'll have that fifth indictment right? Yes, there's something to look forward to. Maybe we'll have some (laughs) snacks to celebrate. Okay, all the best to you. Thank you so much. And don't forget to download the podcast, which will drop tonight, the audio podcast. And you can rewind and catch the show again as soon as you like. Have yourselves a great day.